Cultivating Place is proud to receive support from the American Horticultural Society, celebrating 100 years of trusted, high-quality gardening and horticultural information and community since 1922. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Ernesto Alvarado is a Mexican-born, Southern California-based native plant and seed teacher and student. He's currently the native plant nursery assistant at the Riverside Corona Resource Conservation District, where he specializes in seed and native plants for gardening and for greater connection to the world around him and around us. While I told you last week was the second in a two-part series in the sacred and much-needed ritual and ceremony that the seasonal cycles of our plants and gardens afford us, I would say this is a bonus third episode in this vein. I think you'll agree. Ernesto began his interest in plants at an early age before discovering the beauty and importance of California native plants in 2004 when he grew native plants for coastal restoration projects in the efforts that were successful to bring back the endangered El Segundo blue butterfly. His interest in conservation and restoration led him to obtain a degree in wildlife management and conservation from Humboldt State University. After graduation, he had the opportunity to continue growing California native plants for Rancho Santa Ana Botanic Garden, which is now the California Botanic Garden. There, he became familiar with many more native plants, including many native cultivars, ideal for home gardens. His passion and curiosity has only grown over the years, and as nursery assistant, he spends his days growing local native plants for RCRCD's restoration projects and looks after the gardens and habitat at the Land Use Learning Center. Having been a follower of your enthusiastic native seed and plant sharing for many years, I am so pleased to be speaking with you today. Welcome to the program, Ernesto. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I have just said a little bit about what your work and passion is in the plant world, but I'd love to have you get started for listeners by maybe giving us a distilled description of or mission statement for your own relationship to plants of your place as it exists right now in your life, Ernesto? Um, well, I would say that my, like a mission is to help build a bridge that connects humans with, uh, with nature. And I think um, a lot of people are doing that in many different ways. And the way I do it is by uh, doing it with plants, with California native plants in particular, because I'm here in California. I like that. And so... Take us back a little bit before we move forward. Tell us a little bit about your earliest influences and where you were born and raised and the people and places and plants that grew you into a man for whom building this kind of bridge would be an important and guiding value for you, Ernesto. I was born in Mexico in a small town um, called Amantitan. Uh, it's in the state of Jalisco. Um, I came to the United States when I was 10 or 11, it was in fifth grade. Um, I think the change 
between being in a small town where, you know, I was surrounded by hills and mountains and fields of blue agave, um, and then coming to the United States, to Compton, where in LA, where it was all concrete and pretty much not much of wildlife out there. It really made an impact in my life. And after going to school and in, in high school, that's when I decided to really focus on doing something with nature, working with nature. Um, that was my focus during that time. And um, as I approached 12th grade, I had to like research what I can do and my interests. So I started looking for um, schools and what they were offering. And I discovered Humboldt State University and their wildlife management and conservation program. Um, then I, I knew right away that that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I just stuck to that. Um, I had the opportunity to really go after high school and go straight to Humble State, but then at last minute, I decided to not go and just stay and do the community college and finish all my uh, general eds there. And I'm glad that I did that because that's when I came across the C-Lab, a program of the Los Angeles Conservation Corps. Um, they had a little job fair there and they had a booth there and I approached them because they had animals and pictures of plants and I'm like oh I want to see what they're about um it's it's really hard for me to just approach them but I, I when I feel something that I just really need to do I just push myself and just do it and yeah I got a, that's where I started with native plants I got an internship working at the native plant nursery there um, restoring um, the bluffs, the beach bluffs. And yeah, when I discovered native plants, I just fell in love and I knew that that was gonna be my focus. Um, I also, um, I got the opportunity to work with the animals there. It was, it's a it was a small aquarium and all the animals were rescued for power plants. And then we released them back to the ocean. And not only, um, solidify my, um, like me wanting to work with nature, it really validated what I was focusing on, like working with animals and plants, you know, they both come together. Um, and then after that internship ended, I went off to work, um, study wildlife management and to humble state. And I, uh, that's where I really understood the interactions between the plants and the animals and the importance of both, you know, as, and um, yeah, and the, my focus of, at the beginning, I thought I was gonna be more with animals, but the plants were always there, always there. <laughs> and since I was a little kid, I was always playing with them, gardening. Um, and eventually I worked also for the Rancho Sanana Botanic Garden, um, growing their native plants. For, uh, when they had the, the nursery in West LA. But um, during that time, it, it was really interesting because I feel like I was doing what I wanted to do, growing plants, native plants. And I lived in Long Beach at that time. And um, it, that time of my life, I felt like, I don't know, like I was kind of like stuck, stuck, like stagnant. 
even though I was doing what I loved. And I'm like, oh, I don't know why I feel this feeling. And at that time, I with a person I was with, I, I would share that. And it would be like, oh, but what do you mean? You have everything. You have an apartment. You know, you have a little garden. Um, and there was a little garden that I planted out, uh, right outside our door. And it was like three feet by six feet. Really small area. But I put native plants there. And um, just seeing all the activity there like the caterpillars and then the birds feeding, all kinds of butterflies, insects, insects that I've never seen. It was just so like, magical and peaceful in that little corner. And I would look at the courtyard and it would be like empty of life, just hedges and impatience and grass. And, um, and I would just sit there and ask the plants like, um, you know, why, why, why are you here? Why, why, why do you grow? And I would like visualize the, um, the seeds like um, germinating. And then from that little thing, you know, beautiful plant come out. And that, that was me for like weeks and weeks. And I really, I think that triggered like uh, an experience that I had with the plants one day uh, while working. It's a bit hard for me to share this, but it was a summer day and it was a Friday. And he was at, working at the Rancho, having thousands of plants to take care of. And there was no irrigation there. Um, I had to like water by hand. And it was like a ritual for me to, every Friday, to go and water each plant and make sure that each plant, each one gallon pot, had enough water to make it through the weekend. So I went, it took me the whole day one by one by one, each one gallon. Usually in, during the week, I just go, sh I just spray them and give them a little bit of water and I will, you know, because I'm there, I'm gonna, I can do it the next day and keep them nice and moist. But then on Friday, it was when I really took my time to make sure that each plant had water. And at the end, I just felt like, I just like, um, like, I felt like a, just to stretch, but at the same time, I just became more focused on like my, how I felt, like my body, how each muscle started to stretch. And I thought to myself, wow, I never really stretch in my life. You know, it feels like I, for the first time I'm doing it. And it feels so good. And I just, for some reason, I just sat in the middle of the nursery and I just looked at all the plants and it was really, really beautiful. And, um, you know, I just started like breathing really deep. And, and like all of a sudden I felt like um like a wheel in my heart, like like if it was spinning, right? Okay. Um at that time I didn't know what that was, but um it really felt filled me with um with joy and and, and like bliss and happiness. I I I just felt like that connection, you know. That everything has. Yes. I don't know. It's hard to um, explain it. It's just something that you feel. Yes. Yeah, I, will, I will close my eyes and take deep breaths, and I feel like the earth breathing with me, lifting me up. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wow, what is this? You know? When, when, when I close my eyes, I could feel like, I don't know, this kind of sound weird, but this entity coming closer to me. And I will open my eyes because I felt I felt it right there, but nothing would be there. I'm like, what the heck is going on? 
and but I told her I told whatever that was to go away. Maybe it was just in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> and it disappeared. And I I closed my eyes and I kept feeling that joy. And I thought, you know, the birds are coming. And when I when I thought that um, there's a in that area there's a parrot rescue place there, and the parrots just went all crazy and they started going making their noise and I'm like wow what's going on what is this experience so I started walking out and I see all kinds of birds just perched on the fences and just looking at me like everywhere all kinds I'm like what is is this you know I I just I didn't understand it at the end of of that nursery there was there's a tree with and it had pink flowers can't remember what type but it was buzzing with hummingbirds. It felt like bees. And I, I remember thinking, it's so strange. Like, hummingbirds are territorial, you know? They, they will be fighting. But they were, like, feeding on the tree. And in, in just playfully. And uh, I, I don't know, just that experience to me, I, it really completely changed my, my life. I felt like, oh, yeah, there's something more. And not um, long after that, um, I, you know, the, the the garden decided to close the nursery. And I feel like, okay, maybe the, if I didn't have that experience, I think I would like be devastated. But I, I, I feel like, you know, the plants, they, they want me to go. They, they want me to do something else. And I, I feel like that was a gift for me because I do care for the plants so much and I love them. And that was the last that I received from them. I am so grateful for you sharing this experience, Ernesto. And I can hear and see how affecting it was. And I feel as though so many gardeners are afforded this kind of transcendent moment with plants and their companions. And sometimes we don't pay enough attention to it or, or give it the space that you just described giving it. And it changes everything. It does. It's what binds us as kindred, as gardeners, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When I um when I had that experience, I really had a vision in my mind of me living more um, self-sustainably, mm-hmm. um, and I just really decided to go back to Mexico. I um I took a a, a, a workshop on building cup houses after that, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to just go to Mexico, and I have a feeling that I need to do this, and I went on. And I, I lived there over there for like a year and a half as a grown up. And I was able to buy a small part of a uh, part of land where my grandparents live in a really small way, smaller town than where I was born. And yeah, I just um started building uh, this top house. It's not finished yet because I had to come back. <laughs> but you know, it's so cool how the plants really connect you to people. Um by chance I mm. My phone just rang and I picked it up and it was ringing. And then on the other side, it was um, Antonio Sanchez. He um he was the one that I was working with uh, during the the Rancho Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. And it was just so cool how 
that phone call yes they connected us again and he's like oh Ernesto, he told me to just come over come back to the United States you know I know people and where are you planning on moving and at that time I'm like well I think I'm gonna move to Anaheim and he's like well maybe you know at Disneyland so I moved back and I got a job at Disneyland working at the California Grand um the hotel and they, at that time they were changing a lot of the landscape into native plants mm. <laughs> and I'm like oh my god you know the plants they, they will come me back <laughs> <laughs> and yeah during that time I, I really felt like I needed to do more I didn't like really how they were doing the gardening there but um, I, I really felt like I wanted to do more with native plants so I went and took um, courses on landscape design and I really discovered that, yeah, that I'm really good at, at design. I love art. I love design, beauty. That's what, you know, moves me. And I put all that into the drawing. And yeah, that really validated me. The professor looked at my drawings and he's like, yeah, you, you really need to pursue these. You, you have an eye for design and you know your plans already. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I... I I really don't want to pursue that as um, taking classes again. I just want to help people, you know, build their gardens. And I, I, I can do that now. Yeah. Uh, I also, I'm, I'm, right now I'm working for the Riverside Corona Resource Conservation District and I manage the nursery here. And yeah, I'm just doing exactly yeah. what I, you know, envisioned and I, I wanted to do. And I think, and I give, and I really owe it all to the plants. We owe everything to the plants, don't we? Um, yeah. yeah, we really do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yes. <laughs> this is Cultivating Place. Ernesto Alvarado is a Mexican-born, Southern California-based native plant and seed teacher and student. He is currently the native plant nursery assistant at the Riverside Corona Resource Conservation District in Southern California, where he specializes in seed-grown native plants for gardening and in caring for the gardens and habitats at the RCRCD's Land Use Learning Center. His primary goal is developing a deeper connection and bridge with the world around him and around us. We'll be right back after a break. Stay with us. Cultivating Place is made possible in part by listeners just like you and by support from the American Horticultural Society. As the AHS turns 100, their focus on quality horticultural information is more needed than ever. In the past years, they have doubled down on integrating science, education, social responsibility, environmental stewardship, community, and joy in our gardening world with their in-depth journal, The American Gardener, their reciprocal admissions at public gardens, and their programs. Listeners of Cultivating Place receive a $10 discount on annual individual membership to the AHS. So for your annual membership to the American Horticultural Society for the special Cultivating Place rate of just $25 a year, head on over to www.ahsgardening.org forward slash cp. Hey, it's Jennifer. 
So it certainly has happened to me, this being called by the garden, this being grabbed and focused by the life of the plants around us. I'm sure it has happened to you too. It was an immense honor to hear Ernesto's moving retelling of his own moment of bonding with the life all around us through his caring for and relating to the plants on that warm Los Angeles summer day. Maybe you would like to share a story like this. I would be happy to hear it. I would be happy to share it forward with others here one week or not. I can also just listen and witness your call. If you'd like, send me your plant connection story by email, cultivatingplace at gmail.com, or leave it in the comments for this week's show post on Instagram, where you will find me at cultivating underscore place. The plants connect us in so many ways. They connect us in these transcendent ways also. We're back now to our conversation with native plant and seed person Ernesto Alvarado. After graduating from Humboldt State University with a degree in wildlife management and working in the plant world long enough to feel a deep connection to plants, Ernesto felt a need to live more simply and to return to his birthplace in Mexico to see if he could help build more connection between the land and the people in the small rural community near where his grandparents lived. As we come back, Ernesto shares more about his adult time and the lessons from the plants in Mexico before returning to the U.S. again. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do in Mexico in a small town was to really try to think of different ways where the community can come together and do great things for themselves. Yes. So my idea was to really... um, get people to think in a different way where, you know, that little town, it's in a different state, it's in Nayati, next to Jalisco, and they're, they're agriculture, but they, you know, they practice agriculture like like we do right now, where they just so just one big plot of one thing and then another one of another. Yeah. And so a lot of these lands, the owners don't really work it. It's just, they rent it, they rent it out. But in my mind, I'm like, you know, if, one, we used to a plot of land and every single person in this town contributes a little bit of the time to work it. Maybe the whole town can benefit from it. Like we can plant all kinds of food and then everybody that puts work, you know, can get that food for free. And then the rest, we can probably sell it to the next town over and make money to continue something like that. You know, it's hard to get people together. It has to come from themselves. Mm to do that because there's um you know the heart of yeah. people there it can be corrupted in many ways and i found that over there i mean yeah there's division even in, in small towns you know the, i saw i saw the division over there through religion like they they were christians and catholics over there and then they worship the same person but they don't they will, they will be, you know, against each other. It's like, oh my God, I don't understand it. No. <laughs> so yeah, so that, that wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't able to do that, but I hope that I, you know, planted the seed on somebody and that can 
go there. No effort is wasted, right? I mean, that's that's one of the things the plants teach us is that you did that for some reason and you learned something and it germinated you into your next phase. And and it's funny because um, I went back to the Mexico to build a house made out of mud, of natural materials. And the roof is made out of palm trees. And everybody in that town has used to have houses like that. And now they have concrete houses with cinder blocks and they cannot even stay in there during the day because it gets so hot. Mm -hmm. And every person was like, oh my God, your house is going to be really cool. You know, and I'm like, yeah, well, that's the whole purpose that, of building it with mud, you know? And it's interesting that they know that, but they did decide to make houses out of concrete you know it's like oh man it's you have all the materials for free i pretty much all the materials that i used to build a house were free they were right there but you know the government helps um people over there and they give them materials but i think it's the wrong type of materials because they you know they have all these chemicals and it's just unnatural Instead, of, I wish they were just teaching them how to build really beautiful homes made out of earth because it's so natural. Yeah, the, the, the air quotes around help. Um, and what, you know, what we know to be right and good, and yet what we do as being very different from that, like, you know, we are all, we are all complicit in that in certain ways. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the point of life, is to keep practicing on that path, Ernesto. Yeah. <laughs> and so you now are working with the Resource Conservation District and also doing design and your own seed work. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis for you now. And... And your interest, uh, which seems to be growing keener and keener on studying and observing, and I guess those are the same things, but a little bit different, um, and sharing information about native plants, especially starting with their seed, because um, I love all of your, your native plant work and the way that you share it. But I also just find your your seed work really interesting. Yeah, I think that's the part of my work that I enjoy the most. Um, collecting the seeds when the plant gives it to you and then germinating it. It's just, and seeing it grow, I think it's really joyful. It brings me happiness every time. Mm -hmm. So the work I do here, um, it's mostly growing native plants for restoration projects. I also tend the garden. We have a demonstration garden here at the Reverse Corona Research Conservation District, the Land Use Learning Center. And um, I get to also grow some plants, native plants for that garden. So the Riverside Resource Conservation District is an RCD in Riverside County. And 
maybe give us a little bit of its history and mission and describe some of these restoration projects. For instance, I saw on Instagram that you have a sort of challenge out right now to propagate, I don't know, like 7 million willows and... (laughs) (laughs) Six hundred, <laughs> uh, which is great. Which is great. And if anyone's going to propagate that successfully, it's going to be Willow, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how I began working at the Riverside Agronomics Conservation District—that's um, another one of those things that just happened magically. <laughs> really, My, I had a friend that moved here to the Riverside, to Riverside, and one day she just decided to take a day off. She ended up at the garden, at the land use training center, and she met Arlie Montalvo. She was the senior ecologist for the River Agronomy Conservation District back then. And she just asked him, asked her if they were hiring. And at that time, she was in the process of retiring, and she said that she want, they were looking for someone that had experience working with native plants in a nursery setting, um, had experience gardening with native plants and restoration projects and also had an eye for design and my friend right away he's like oh my friend Ernesto (laughs) so and she sent me her information and I didn't hesitate to apply and yeah but I got the job now I'm here (laughs) the work that I do here it's mostly managing the nursery growing native plants um, also collecting seeds so we have a nice seed bank, the nice cold rooms for to increase on a really nice seed bank. I'm in the process, we're in the process of making that something bigger. And so is the nursery open to the public or is it really just a private endeavor to help support the restoration work and the uh, in situ and ex situ seed bank work? Yeah, so the nursery at the RCD um, is mainly to grow restoration plants for Rest, uh, projects that already have, they already need the plants. So the plants that I grow, they already have a place to go. Um, and that's how I want to keep the RCD nursery uh, to, uh, you know, to a level of, to really grow clean stock for restoration projects. Describe one of those restoration projects that you might be involved in now or one you have been involved in so that people get a sense of what you mean when you say it. There's some, there's so many different type of projects. Some are like um, habitat enhancement or, or restoring the habitat. I'm not really involved in the planting, the process of planting. I'm just, I just grow the plants. So I'm not really familiar with the sites. I, I'm familiar with the ones where we go out and collect seeds. Like one of the sites where I, we collect seeds is um, it's really nice. It's called it's Horse Thief Canyon, and it we can find all kinds of things in there. Um, it recently burned uh, with the holy the holy fire went through there, and just looking how it regenerates is pretty cool. All the different plants that we're getting the now, you know. In that area, um, you can, there's a creek that goes through there. So you find a lot of riparian species there. And then you go up a cliff and there's more of a oak woodland and then open coastal sage scrub. It's so cool how you can see all of these habitats in one, in one area and you can walk it really quick. So one of the projects is to collect um, willows, cottonwoods, and mule fat for a restoration project. And that's not a, rest, it's not a restoration project of the RCRCD, 
for a different agency that I'm growing them for. And, and it's going to be the first, you know, block of plants that I'm going to grow with. Um, so when I started working at the RCRCD, the nursery needed to go, was going through a process of becoming more clean. Um, right now, there's this whole movement where we want to grow all the restoration plants um, clean of any pathogens, just so we won't transfer them to these um, restoration sites. So that was a lot of my work when I started working here was to get the nursery clean, um, build tables up, um, and just practicing better uh, management. Yeah. And so just to give listeners a little bit of context there, I believe you're speaking about pathogens like Phytophthora and sudden oak death, and that this has been a real issue of concern in our native plant world here on the West Coast and in California specifically, because it became clear that pathogens were being passed by the native plant right. community. Yeah, yeah, especially Phytophthora, yeah. Yeah, so and that, that's... um. And that's exactly what I want to keep this nursery at, at that level where it's all clean stock and we get, we're able to grow not only for ourselves, for our project, but for other people that need them, you know, and they need to be grown in these conditions. This is Cultivating Place. Ernesto Alvarado is a Mexican-born, Southern California-based native plant and seed teacher and student. He is currently the native plant nursery assistant at the Riverside Corona Resource Conservation District in Southern California, where he specializes in seed-grown native plants for gardening and in caring for the gardens and habitats at the Resource Conservation District's Land Use Learning Center. His primary goal is developing a deeper connection and bridge with the world around him and around us. We'll be right back after a break. Stay with us. So thinking out loud this week, one of the things that I really love about Ernesto's heart for this work is his clear, stated, and acted upon desire to pay the joy and happiness of his own connection to plants and his own experiences with them forward. You can hear in his voice that this takes courage to do. And I have to wonder, how do we each do this in even small and courageous ways? How can we each pay our own garden life love and gratitude and deep experience forward? I am all ears on all of your ideas. My way is through cultivating place. Your way might be very different. Please tell me more about it. Send me an email, cultivatingplace at gmail.com. I can't wait to listen.
We're back now to our conversation with native plant and seed person Ernesto Alvarado. While he's currently working with the native plants of California, he is deeply interested in taking his plant and seed knowledge and experiences back again to his birthplace of Mexico in time. As we come back, Ernesto shares more on his own study and enjoyment of the intricacies and delights offered out by the seed forms of plants. Tell me where your personal interest and passion for seed got started and and sort of how you are following that and sharing it forward, because this is of real interest to me. Yeah, so my interest in seeds started here at the RCRCD. This is where I began collecting seeds. I saw the cold room, the seed bank, and I just I just knew that I this is what I want to do and what I need to do. Um, I collect seeds um, not only in the wild, but even in the garden here. There's always, I always pay attention to the plants and that's how I learned when it's the best time to collect seeds. Sometimes I will just find it randomly, you know, it's the plant telling me, hey, the seeds are right here. So <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's effortless sometimes. When I look through your Instagram um, as Native Plant Guide, uh, you did a lot of sort of in-depth photography and collecting and then sharing about seeds earlier this spring. Can can you, yeah, talk a little bit more about it? So you know how I said building that bridge that connects humans with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the way I, I like to do it is by sharing how to collect these seeds, how to germinate them, because um, when people do that, um, when they start by the, with the seed, I feel like there's more, there's more of a, that connection. There's more, mm-hmm. it's more fulfilling to see it, you know, grow from the seed. And I want people to experience that. And a lot of this information is mm-hmm. not really accessible to many so by having just making those little posts with how to collect and it's fun for me too and I know the plants want me to do it and I know a lot of people can benefit from them I get a lot of good comments that oh I've been I've been wondering when I can collect seeds of this species and you just posted this (laughs) yeah I'm gonna go look at my plant right and yeah and, and and they're also producing seeds so it's so cool to see that that people want that information yeah. you know and I, I I love sharing that yeah. and you started it around uh the spring equinox and you noted that it was around the arrival of the the monarch butterflies as well where where you were and um you began with milkweeds and you called this series the secret world of seeds and you you shared these really beautiful photographs and I, I wonder if you can describe a little bit your own experience in this kind of intimate relationship with the seeds, this looking at them in such macro detail that they, they, they are completely different than if you just look at a little seed in your hand, right? And so you learn something more about them, I think. Um, and I, I, would le- I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. So um, every time I observe seeds in, in, the, in the, every time I look at seeds um, under the mic, the, the scope, I've always 
get amazed and I always felt like, oh man, I need to share these. I People need to see how different they look and how beautiful they are. But beautiful. And yeah. one day again, the plan somehow put people in places and a friend gave me this nice telescope with a camera in it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, um, and I started taking pictures and observing them really like even closer than the other uh, the sitting scope and sometimes just looking at them they do they teach me things um i noticed how diverse the seeds can be in just one species for example in the deer weed um there's <laughs> all kinds of colors um it's so cool and but you know it's just like one <laughs> one species that has all that variety and, and right. when I see that, I'm like, oh, man, this is just like humans. <laughs> humans are coming in all different varieties, but we're all just uh-huh. one species. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Right. And, um, and also, like, just looking at them, how they expand, because you can, if you observe their seed coat, you can see patterns. You see how they start growing from, like, the little tiny ovule. <laughs> so small. And then it starts, you can see those patterns, like how it stretches. And and always when I see that, I always also question like, man, or try to visualize like going way, way, way to where, you know, it started growing and always ask like, what make you grow? <laughs> Why? And I, I don't Why? know, sometimes there is something bigger. And I think um, when you question those things and you observe them, yeah, you know that there's something bigger <laughs> than just the material, you know? And there's something really perspective shifting for, for us as humans, maybe, in finding that something bigger in, in and from one of the smallest things in our days, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... When you think about your work as a designer and a seed student and teacher and as this bridge builder for this greater interdependence between people and plants and and the other companions of plants as well, Ernesto, what are your what are your hopes for the future of what you are doing? Um, to see more people like working with nature instead of against it, um, I think that's the only thing that's gonna really bring all kinds of people together. And I I've experienced that. Um, my first job at the Sea Lab, the I got to work with all kinds of people. It was a really amazing experience, from like you know white rich, <laughs> from Palos Verdes to like me from Compton immigrant all kinds of people just in that one program. And everybody had the same um, goal to work with nature, you know, to help. And yeah, that's really stuck to me, with me. And I know that that's what's gonna bring humanity all around the world together. Because um, I also think that we are not here to save the earth or yeah, earth is here to save us. I think humanity needs more help than the planet needs help. Well, I've, I, for one, am really hoping you continue with your seed work and sharing and that it 
germinates into an ever bigger project, Ernesto. Now, you never told me the agave story, Ernesto. <laughs> oh, yeah. So right now, um, so the thing with the agave, I remember when I was a kid, um, I used to see agave's flower. Mm-hmm. There, you know, it was more diverse. But right now, um, there's a problem. There's only like two or three individuals. Um, all the agaves, the fields of agaves is pretty much clones, all of them. And nobody really let let them flower because the whole process of making the tequila is when the agave pushes the flower stock, they come and cut it. And then the plant will put all the energy that was gonna put it on the flowers and the seeds on the on the center, and that's what they harvest. So and all of these are clones. So right now there's no there's no flowering there's no flower it's just like there's efforts of them bringing back the letting them flowers there's some tequila um, factories that are trying to help it but they have failed because you know the the flower gets pollinated by a bat so it's like the bat is no longer there because there's no flowers for years so there's everything is out of balance and how I see it is the town in, the, in that area has a problem with alcohol. And that also reflects on how they're treating the land, how they're treating this plant, you know? And um, I feel like um, if people really get together, everybody that's growing, just let them flower, just a, por- a small portion, you know, that can make a huge difference. But I think people are too attached to money and they just cannot afford, I guess, to you know, do that. But it's sad because I feel like um, if they really understood that connection that we have with the earth, with nature, they will still understand that by letting them flower, they will benefit even more. Not, not in a materialistic way, but, you know, in a deeper way. And yeah, I just, uh, I do know that I have to, I feel in my heart that I need to do something about it. So that's why I, I've done so many work with native plants here because that I can take over there and apply it over there as well. So yeah, I do picture myself doing things over there. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I know that the plants are gonna put me there somehow. <laughs> Cause I, I do want it, I want to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I will be following along. <laughs> Thanks. As you return, you return the flowers and then the seeds and then the coevolution <laughs> and the diversification and the return of the bats and it is a cycle we know we can we can manifest uh and yeah. return and then get out of the way of again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, cuz um me but like in Long Beach when I did the little garden it's just the, the peacefulness when animals are present, when, you know, uh, the plants and the animals are interacting how they're supposed to, it brings peace in that little area. And so imagine if everything was balanced, if we actually try to reach equilibrium with nature, that everybody will benefit. But I feel like um, the focus a lot is in money and that's what's keeping us from reaching that. It one one of the things that strikes me is so um, like counterintuitive and ironic, but also beautiful in its irony is that 
we find peace in this garden space that's actually full of noise and activity and energy and vibrancy, right? Like a, a garden full of bees and bugs and mosquitoes and, you know, all the creatures, lizards and whatever. It's so noisy and busy. And yet that vibration is what allows us to feel peace, right? Yeah. It's exactly, a funny, yeah. it's a funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing the agave story. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you know, it's, it really shows you how, yeah, the, everything that's outside ourselves is really a reflection of how human, mm -hmm. uh, humans are. Like the, in the agave, like uh, you see, uh, man, it's uh, alcohol, it's a problem over there. And that's how they're treating the, the land. So it's obviously reflecting, you know, it's, but you get, if we could fix one thing, we can, we can either fix the outside and help us within, or we can fix ourselves and then we can see change also. Right. There's, it can go either way. There's more than one path to um, right. a better way. Do you have a, a small home garden now, Ernesto? Yeah, um, I'm really lucky to have uh, the space I'm living in. Right now, um, it's also part of the RCRCD. They, um, they, we have a, another, we have another property, and they, that's where we have uh, raceways for endangered fish, um, and it's gonna become a fish lab. But they needed somebody to stay there and take care of the of the land, and so they asked me if I wanted to stay there, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> I've been wanting to do that. And I now I have a space to uh, grow vegetables, to have a little garden, a native garden, and also like grow native plants, a little nursery back there. And the nursery, I use it to grow all kinds of other natives. Um, I buy seeds from CMPS. Um, nice. Yeah, and I just want to become really good at growing California native plants and sharing everything I, I learned because I think it's, it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so fun, right? And it's fun, yes. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it makes me happy. It just so happy. It moves yeah. me and just drives me to do it. Yeah. I think you are a marvelous bridge builder. In light of everything we've talked about and, you know, seeing your, your beautiful wreath behind your head and thinking about your own garden life there. Is there anything else you would like to add for, for listeners today? You know, to really pay attention to what makes them happy. Um, I find that, um, yeah, if you really pursue, if you really focus and you feel like whatever makes you happy, you already have, you will attract that. You will, things will just be placed in front of you, but you also don't have to, don't let those opportunities that come um go pass you by because yeah there's there's always yeah just follow the heart especially what makes you happy or brings you joy and yeah and i you know if a lot of people have a problem or like difficulty discovering that and the way that i it helped me discover that is by contemplation by contemplating the plants and how they grow how they are how they exist 
and that helped me really understand even myself you know and yeah just follow your heart and contemplate contemplate and yeah magic happens <laughs> you know it was it's really hard for me to share all this especially my experiences um because you know it it sounds weird and <laughs> I, I, I know that people won't understand but um before I got your invitation, I, I had a little experience where a mockingbird went into the RV because I live in an RV. And when I went and I looked, I saw it in the, when the wind was stuck, I, I went and picked it up. And the first thing that crossed my mind was like, use your voice. And that's pretty much what those birds represent because they always sing in all kinds of songs. All you know? kinds of songs. And and then I received your, your invitation and I'm like, oh, I want to say no, but that bird. If it wasn't for that bird, I'm like, oh man. So that's not, I need to just push myself and just do it. I, I don't care. I'm just gonna, you know, open up and share. <laughs> Thank you very much for being a guest on the program today. It has been a great joy and honor to speak with you. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you. And thank you so much for you know allowing me to share this. It's, it really means a lot to me. Ernesto Alvarado is a Mexican-born, Southern California-based native plant and seed teacher and student. He's currently the native plant nursery assistant at the Riverside Corona Resource Conservation District, where he specializes in greater, more sacred and conscientious connection to the world around him and around us. Listen in next week when we start a two-part series on life in a dry climate and dry garden life as a source of high design and a diversity of great plants. We're joined in this first by designer Daniel Nolan, author of The Dry Garden, High Style for Low Water Gardens. Join us then. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio. It is made possible by listeners just like you through the support button at the top right-hand corner on every page at cultivatingplace.com. We are also made possible by support from the American Horticultural Society. To read more about and see many images from Ernesto's gardening and seed work, head over to cultivatingplace.com, where you will find this week's episode show notes under the podcast tab. The Cultivating Place team includes producer and engineer Matt Fiddler and producer and development director Sarah Bohannon. We're based on the traditional and present homelands of the Machupta Indian tribe of the Chico Rancheria. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Oh.